So through the month of December, in our Sunday services, we've been doing a series looking at the characters of Christmas, different people who are involved in the nativity story. So two weeks ago, we looked at Zechariah, who had the announcement from the angel that John was going to be born. Last week, we looked at Joseph, the husband of Mary, and today we're looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there's a a whole um, chunk of text about Mary. The main bit is in Luke that we just heard read, uh, where... Uh, Gabriel visits Mary and tells her the news and Mary responds with this amazing faith-filled response I'm your servant, let it be to me as you say and then Mary goes to Elizabeth to visit her and the child leaps in Elizabeth's womb and Mary has this response of praise where she sings Um, there's another bit about Mary that we didn't read the bit involving the birth she was kind of involved in that bit too Um, I'm pretty sure she would have not wanted us to forget that Um, but what we're going to do this afternoon is just focus on one bit of Mary's uh, story and guess what? the theme of our service is singing the bit that we're going to focus on this afternoon is Mary's song. Okay, that's the bit that Mary, that wasn't a, a, a coincidence, um, read actually for us. So if you've ever been in a, a choir and, and sung um, kind of old Latin songs, you might have sung Mary's song. It's got a, a Latin name. It's called the Magnificat. Okay, the bit that starts, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Okay, um, so we're going to think a bit more about that song. It's an ancient song, one of the first songs of praise ever written by the Christian church. Um, but it's so relevant today. So as we're going to go through Mary's song, we'll see how relevant it is for us um, in our time in 2020 at Christmas. So what we're going to do is um, another quiz, actually. And I'm going to keep the same teams, Team A and Team B. So Team A, this is your chance for redemption, to claw back the the loss in the first part of the service. We're going to do it slightly differently, okay? Uh, Earlier on, it was guess the Christmas lyric. Uh, The quiz we're going to do now is guess the carol. Okay, so I'm going to say a line from a carol, and it's not going to be taking turns. It's the first person to put their hand up, okay, who can guess what carol the line is from. And each line from the carol is going to have some connection to the song that Mary sang in Luke's gospel. And we're going to see how that, uh, that theme that Mary picks up in her song is relevant for us today. All right, so here's the first one. You ready? Drum roll, please. With the poor and meek and lowly lived on earth our Savior holy. Hands up. Who knows what carol that's from? I've got a hand over here, Team A, Aaliyah. Once in Royal Davis City is the right answer. Well done. All right. Once in Royal Davis City, with the poor and meek and lowly, lived on earth our Savior holy. So this is the idea of Jesus, this amazing characteristic of Jesus that he, he lived alongside, he identified with poor people, meek people, lowly people. And there's a verse from Mary's song that picks up that idea. Um, Luke chapter 1, right at the start of her song, she says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. Same kind of idea, you see? Jesus lives alongside the humble, the poor. Now, Mary wasn't much to look at. She was a very ordinary person. She wasn't from a rich family. She was probably very poor, actually. Um, She was probably a teenager at the time of Jesus' birth. And in addition to her humble circumstances, she had the added thing of having a pregnancy. Her and Joseph weren't married. So she had all the shame and the suspicion that went with that. So when she's saying this in her song, my soul glorifies the Lord. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary is recognizing here that God has chosen his son Jesus to be born into a situation that is really humble. A situation that is poor. That's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's coming into a place that is low. He's identifying with the, with the lowly, with people of low status. 
Now, this wasn't just an exception. Jesus didn't just start his life like this and then rise to higher things, climb the social rankings. Actually, all through his life, Jesus did this. He identified with, he lived alongside the people who he rubbed shoulders with were the poor and the lowly, people who weren't up to much, people who weren't uh, respected in society, people who were kind of the outcasts, the outsiders. I was actually talking with uh, our Bible study group in our um, in our group meeting just uh, this week just gone about these words and about how amazing it is that you see this characteristic not just in Jesus' life, but all the way through the Bible. So even in the Old Testament, if you read the Bible and read the Old Testament, you'll see that God is the kind of God all through the Bible who does this. He identifies, but he comes down, he rubs alongside the poor and the meek and the lowly. Read your Bible and have a look. It's wonderful. It's brilliant. It's thrilling to see it. This is Jesus. He lives on earth, the saviour holy, with the poor and meek and lowly. Now, at various points in the last uh, few weeks, we've had celebrities on the news for the wrong reasons, uh, because they've been breaking lockdown restrictions. Anyone seen that? We had a couple, a couple of weeks ago, actually. So the singer Rita Ora, she came back from a a gig in Egypt and then had a big 30th birthday party in London. She had to go on the news and apologise and say, I'm so so sorry, so sorry, don't do what I did, protect the NHS, all this stuff. Um, Almost like the day after... The Sky News presenter, Kay Burley, did a very similar thing, went out for her 60th birthday in London, had to come out and apologise, she got dropped from Sky News for six months. And these kind of incidents, when they happen, they generate all kinds of feelings, they generate a huge amount of resentment, don't they? Amongst people who are keeping the rules, who are making sacrifices, and suddenly it seems like these celebrities have this approach, it's one rule for them and another rule for me. I'm going to tell everyone to, to keep these restrictions, but when it comes to my birthday, I want to celebrate with my friends. And understandably, people get a bit cross about that. And what I want you to see is that Jesus is not like that. He's the opposite to that. He's got fame and glory far beyond any celebrity that we could imagine. But he doesn't come to earth and think he is somehow above the ordinary people. He doesn't say there's one rule for them and another rule for me. He doesn't kind of come and just float six inches above the ground, above human suffering. No, far from it. He actually is truly one of us. He gets tired He feels pain, he grieves, he's betrayed, he actually goes to his death, a cruel death, and experiences the kind of pain that none of us will probably ever experience. He fully knows what it's like to be human. He comes and identifies, he lives alongside us. The same Carol goes on to say, uh, and he feeleth for our sadness, and he shareth in our gladness. Now, no other God can say that. You can search high and low among the religions of the world, no other God can say He feeleth for our sadness and shareth in our gladness like Jesus can. Because Jesus is the only God who came down, identified with us, and became one of us. All right, number two. Ready for the next clue in our quiz? Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's wound. Who knows what carol that's from? I've got another hand over here. I'm going to give a chance to Team B, all right? Because, is that the corner of my eye? Sarah. Hark, the herald angels sing is the right answer. Yes. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. This is the idea that the birth of Jesus is what the world's been waiting for. Late in time, behold him come. The the whole kind of climax of history is coming to this point. Finally, Jesus is born. He's the fulfillment of the promises um, that have been given to people for for centuries. And the line in Mary's song that picks this up um, in verses 54 and 55 is this. Mary says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's one of the lines from Mary's song. 
What's, what's, she, what's she talking about there? What's she, what's she talking about? Well, you, to understand what Mary's saying here, we need to understand a little bit about the history of God's people, the people of Israel. Now, all through the Old Testament, the history book of God's people, Israel um, were pretty consistently in trouble. Um, they were being attacked by their enemies. They were in famine. They were in exile. They were being oppressed. Um, and the reason is they consistently turned away from God. They rebelled against him. So God gave them the consequences that he promised them. But another consistent thing through the Old Testament, if you read it, is God making promises to his people. In the middle of their trouble, in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of their exile, he says, I'm coming for you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to step in. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to rescue you. And that's what Mary's talking about here. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as he promised our ancestors. She's recognizing God's made all these promises, and she's realizing, hold on, this is, this is God keeping his promises. He said he'd step in. He said he'd come to rescue. And that's what's happening here. She's recognizing, wow, God's in control. He's in charge. He's in, he's in control of history. He knows what he's doing. And I can trust him. Now, 2020 has been a year, hasn't it? Like no other. We've talked about this a lot. And um, there's, there's all kinds of things now that are normal in our lives that would never have been normal a year ago. That are number track and trace, social distancing, all these things that have really turned our lives upside down. And if there's one thing I think 2020 has taught us is that we are not in control. It's that humans are not in control. From the highest to the lowest, from the the governors to the ordinary people, we've all had our lives changed. We've all had to have the same things happen to us. We've all had to cancel our plans. We've all had to stay at home. It's been quite amusing, hasn't it, to see uh, the rich and the powerful and the celebrities staying in their rooms and calling their family and friends on Zoom, just like the rest of us. It's been a great leveller. We're all in the same position. And the governments have, uh, across the world scrabbled around, it feels like that at times, to try and fix the virus, to try and show people they're in control. But all it's shown us is the reality that we're not in control, hasn't it? I think one thing this year has taught us, the reality, we humans are not in control of our world. There are things, some things we just can't fix. It kind of puts us in our place, doesn't it? I think one thing this year has done is put us in our place. But Christmas shows us, and Mary's song here, what she's saying here shows us there is a God who is in control. If circumstances seem out of whack, if God's people are being oppressed, if we're, um, being, uh, our lives are turned upside down by a global pandemic, there's one thing that we can know is that God keeps his promises and he's in control. And therefore we can trust him. So what Mary says here is totally relevant for what we're going through this year. All right. That's number two. God's in control. Number three. Can we have the third clue? So we've got one each. This is the tiebreaker. Right? The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Anyone know the carol that's from? All right. Got Jen at the back there. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. The right answer. Hooray. Well done. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Let's get getting across this idea that Jesus, the birth of Jesus, fulfills our hopes. He gives the humanity the hope that we so desperately need. And there's a line in Mary's song that has just the same kind of idea, verses 52 and 53 of Luke chapter 1. Mary says this, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So Mary was a member of the Jewish people, and the Jewish people were under Roman rule. Um, That meant that well, the Romans were pretty cruel. They, they extorted taxes from the people, they ruled them, and they didn't tolerate any dissent. 
So if you were a Jew and you stepped out of line, you could expect to be pretty harshly treated, probably killed by the Romans. The Jewish people weren't in a good situation. They were being oppressed when Mary was alive. They weren't just the Romans, they were also under religious rulers. So the Jews had religious rulers, and not always, but they were often quite harsh and quite legalistic and didn't exactly offer hope. So Mary's in this situation. She sees this uh, oppressive government that's controlling her life, and she realizes the Messiah is being born to her. She's just an ordinary girl from a poor family, humble surroundings. And the fact that she is poor and humble, she realizes, wow, the Messiah is being born to me. Hold on. That turns all of this upside down. That's what she says here. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. The Messiah is being born to me. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. It's, it's giving her hope. The fact that the Messiah is being born to her, it's giving her hope of a better future, of a, a future where oppressors will be brought down and the humble will be lifted up. And actually, that hope was fulfilled um, in a way that Mary could never have expected with her son Jesus actually being killed and then rising from the dead. That was what she could never have expected. But the fact is, this birth to this girl at this time gave her hope. And aren't we desperate for hope? Aren't we desperate for hope at the end of this year? After months, well, nearly a whole year of being kind of battered and bruised by the effects of COVID, it kind of felt like a novelty at first, didn't it? The whole working from home thing, um, having Zoom calls, seeing colleagues, colleagues, kids running in in the important of, middle of important meetings, all the fun stuff, PE with Joe Wicks. Uh, but then the novelty kind of quickly wore off, didn't it? And it's been replaced by the, just the cold, hard reality of the economic cliff that we're about to fall off or have already fallen off as a country. Loneliness. Perhaps loved ones, relatives, friends getting ill, some perhaps even dying, maybe even today you're feeling that kind of desperation for hope that we had all uh, looking forward to Christmas and maybe your plans for the coming week have been just shattered with the announcement yesterday. And you're feeling, yeah, I could do with some hope. I could do with a bit of encouragement at the moment. I think the, the fact that we're so desperate for hope is shown in the response that we've had to the news of a vaccine. Um, suddenly everyone's clinging to this. Oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be okay. The reality is, is it's becoming clear. Um, it's, it's not going to fix everything as quickly as we wanted it to. And well, the vaccine, when it does come and is rolled out, it might well help with the COVID situation, it might do, but it won't fix all our problems, will it? The vaccine won't deal with cancer. The vaccine won't deal with loneliness. The vaccine won't stop that marriage breaking down. The vaccine won't stop that loved one leaving. There's all kinds of things the vaccine won't fix. But Jesus gives us a bigger hope. And these verses show us that. Because for those who follow Jesus, what we see here is that Jesus is going to overthrow the whole system. The whole thing. The whole thing of this world we live in, of sin and suffering and pain. Jesus isn't just going to put a sticking plaster over it, like the solutions the world offers, like the vaccine. Jesus is going to do something much more radical. He's going to overthrow the whole thing. For those who follow Jesus, those who trust him, Jesus is going to remake the world. He's going to make a new world with no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more viruses, no more social distancing. He's going to make a new world. Just like Mary recognized here, there's, a, there's, a, there's an overthrow coming. 
The rulers are coming down, the Hummel are being lifted up. That's what Jesus is bringing in for everyone who follows him. And you might say, that just sounds like a pipe dream. That sounds like wishful thinking. How can we know that's going to happen? How can you be so sure? And the answer is, because of Jesus what went on to do. Because of what Jesus went on to do in the rest of his life. Because of the death that he went on to die. When Jesus died, it wasn't an ordinary death. Jesus was taking on himself the mess of the world, the sin of the world, the suffering of the world, the, the virus that we're all infected with as a human race. He was taking that on himself. It's like he, he enters into our bubble and he, he knows that bubble is already infected with a deadly virus of sin and he takes it on himself. And in his death, he, he takes the sin that we're infected with. But not just dying, Jesus rises. He rises to new life and in doing so, he defeats death. He comes back to life. And that is why Christians can have confidence. That's why Christians can have certainty, an absolute certainty of hope, of a new world that's going to be remade because Jesus has taken on death and he's defeated death. It's not just a sticking plaster, it's a complete cure. Are you desperate for good news today? Maybe you are. Uh, Maybe this is the good news that you're looking for. The vaccine may help help solve some things. It won't help solve everything. Jesus offers a, a, a deeper and more substantial fix And he offers a deeper and more substantial hope, a hope of a new world beyond this one. Something to build our lives on, something to build our eternities on. And it's offered to everyone who follows him, everyone who comes to him and says, I need you. Everyone who comes to him and says, I want what you've got to offer. Everyone who comes to him and says, I trust you.